Hey, it's John Moe. Coming up on this edition of Home Dunk, we're going to talk despair. We're going to have an existential crisis. We're going to talk about what even means things anymore to anyone. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. I hear a home dunk. I wish that you had shown up. I played over my head. Everything was off the charts. I jumped out the gymnasium and knocked it out the park. Did a handstand and hit a grand slam It was a great day for the fans Man, I got three sacks and broke three bats I gave the crowd money plus free snacks I did a hat trick and a backflip It's on ESPN Classic And you weren't there and it hurt me To watch them retire my jersey I hit a home dunk Thank you, Open Mike Eagle, for that theme song. Hello, Dunkaroos, Home Dunkers, Dunkarellas. Uh, it's John Moe here to talk about sports, as you know, because you downloaded this podcast. This is not radio where I'm accidentally coming across the airwaves to you and you don't know what's going on. You already know. And thank you. Thank you for your support. Uh, it is, uh, it's just before Thanksgiving as I tape this, but you know, the weirdest thing happened uh, at your house. All of the quarterbacks in the NFL came to your house for an early Thanksgiving dinner along with, uh, along with your family. But these quarterbacks weren't completely themselves. They were all sort of recognizable family archetypes. It was the strangest thing, but it wasn't a dream. This really, really happened. Robert Griffin III was there, your cousin, and you used to love that guy. He was so fun, so talented, so uh, energetic. He taught you how to ride a bike, and he, he just loved Robert Griffin, though. But he's he's fallen on hard times. He got laid off. Uh, he got himself into a really bad marriage uh, with Washington. They're they're probably going to break up now, I think. But he's he's deflated, and I hope he can find love somewhere else. And I hope he can kind of get his life back on track because um, it, it's sad. I mean, he's sort of just sulking in the corner. He's got the glass of red wine uh, and somebody should go talk to him, but nobody's nobody's really excited to talk to him. Your uncles, uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning uh, were there as well. And uh, you know, those guys, they're, they're just complete overachievers. Part of you of course, always wishes that one of them was your real dad because they seem to have it all. Uncle Tom Brady is a little more surly, but you're not sure Uncle Peyton isn't actually the more vicious of the two. I mean, he acts like the nicer guy, but uh, but he might even be more ruthless. But it bugs you that everybody loves these guys because they're just guys. But they're like the family heroes. They can do no wrong. They're the uncles that that everybody praises, that everybody thinks is so great. Why can't you be more like your uncles Tom Brady and Peyton Manning? Plus, isn't anyone going to ask at this Thanksgiving dinner how they stay so productive when they're that old? How, as they get older and get injured, they seem to bounce back and be very, very strong? Are we just we're not supposed to talk about that, right? We're not supposed to speculate that anything uh, is is helping your uncles, but because they have heart, 
They're champions. We're not supposed to think about that. We're only supposed to deify these uncles. And you know what that does to a group dynamic. You know what that does to a family situation, especially at a holidays. Because you know what? Now that you've had a glass of wine on your own and you're getting a little loose yourself, you think, screw those uncles. Uncle Peyton only won one ring ever. And Uncle Brady hasn't won any rings in years. Late in the night on Thanksgiving night, of course, they start wrestling and it gets more and more competitive and then it gets kind of uncomfortable for everybody around because they're they're both so great but they they, they get a little vicious and they brought their kids too your cousins Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck they're nice guys I mean you can't hate those guys there's nothing wrong with those guys but it really is uncomfortable for your cousin Robert Griffin having Andrew Luck seated next to him at the table everyone always praises how Andrew Luck passes the food around oh Andrew, that was such a great pass of the potatoes. And RG3, your cousin, knows that he could pass those potatoes just as well. In fact, he could either pass the potatoes or run them over to you. At least he could before the injury. So now he's sulking some more. And uh, that's just, it's just there's a chill. There's a chill in the air. Uh, Mark Sanchez is there. He's related to you. He showed up and, uh, you know, he's made some changes. Uh, he looks good. He, he got out of New York. That just wasn't working for him. He got himself kind of cleaned up, uh, bought a suit. He looks good. And, and you're hoping for the best, but you know he's teetering on the edge. It could all fall apart for Mark at any moment. And, uh, you know, you, you just try to be encouraging. Oh, Philadelphia. Oh, great. Good. Good for you. Sounds like you got a fresh start and, and it's the thinnest of ice, but you just, you hope for the best because he's family and uh, if he's doing well, then, then things are, are a little bit better. What's really awkward among all the NFL quarterbacks who showed up at your house for Thanksgiving dinner early and were all recognizable family archetypes, what's really awkward is that there are people there that you don't even know. You're not even sure you're related to them. Like Mike Glennon is here. What do you... What what can you say to Mike Glennon? So you're a, a person, Mike. He showed up with something called Zach Mettenberger, who, uh, and, and there's a place set for Brian Hoyer. Are these guys even in the family? Well, evidently so, because they showed up at the all-quarterback Thanksgiving dinner that uh, was just a little bit awkward. So... You know, it it was fine. It was fine. Everybody had turkey, and uh, and things got tense and confusing. And there were several uh, debilitating injuries over the course of the dinner. Um, but then backup family members could come in and eat the turkey. So you just had some dinner, and then you watched some football. <laughs> Sometimes, friends, Dunkaroos, listeners, I don't understand sports when sports gets very, very confusing. And the Philadelphia 76ers are confusing me a lot. And fortunately, I have Pablo Torre on my side. He's a senior writer at ESPN and ESPN the magazine. Hello, Pablo. Hello, John. I was watching this game on Monday night, (laughs) the Trailblazers and the 76ers, and it it almost seemed like the 76ers players would occasionally forget what basketball was. 
Yeah, it's an existential sort of thing going on in Philadelphia right now. It really is. They haven't won any games this year. They haven't won uh, any games. That is a troubling statistic above and beyond all the other ones that you could throw at the average sports fan to explain why the 76ers are, are really challenging the very notions of what we conceive to be sports. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think of Michael Carter-Williams, you know, the point guard, point guard, the young point guard, wrote this essay for Derek Jeter's online magazine. Uh-huh. And he says, I mean, the title of it is Don't Talk to Me About Tanking. And it's actually fairly, you know, there, there's some real energy. What other topic and, is there around you, Michael Carter Williams? Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? <laughs> exactly. Kind of the, the notion here, but Michael Carter Williams argues, you know, look, we are trying. We are trying very hard. How dare you, grown man, <laughs> sitting on the couch with your? He says we're drinking protein shakes and watching Ellen and so forth. You know, it's just like, l- listen, man. <laughs> <laughs> whether or not, whether or not you are trying, okay, that is not the question. No. The question is who is doing the trying, right? right? <laughs> that's the question, and that's the problem. And and Sam Hinkey, the general manager of the 76ers, is a guy who I've talked to before, very smart guy, the the disciple of Daryl Morey, the right-hand man, the former right-hand man of Daryl Morey in Houston. You know, he's the guy who who has a spreadsheet at the ready, who is a completely quantitative, analytical thinker. And what he's realized is that there is no virtue in being mediocre in Uh the NBA. There is no point in being the ninth seed, you know, the one that just missed the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. There's no reward for that. He is title or bust. Yeah, okay. And and that's – and look, that is a valid analytical perspective. He has evidence. He has a spreadsheet – you know, I'm saying this, you know, kind of tongue in cheekly, but I do think he actually has a spreadsheet that's <laughs> very sure complex does, with yeah. flashing colors, and that says, "Look, you need to tank for one or two years in this league before you can get to the point where you contend." And in the meantime, fans are left wondering, "Do I want my sports to be the most efficient path to be a title at all costs, or is sports this kind of television show that I just can't stand?" If I'm a 76ers fan when the team is historically bad? Well, a a few things strike me. One, Ellen is a wonderful show. She really helps people. Two, uh, is the path, is there any proof that the path to the palace goes through the sewer? Like, has anybody (laughs) ever really sucked that bad and then won a championship? Because it seems like most of the teams that win championships are either pretty good or really good. All yeah, the time. this is a this is a grand experiment, um, and it's not. I mean, look, there only have been the NBA for all the talk about parity and how the salary cap is giving rise to competitive equity and all these things. The NBA title has been won by really two handfuls of teams throughout its history. It's a lot of the big brand names that you know. It's the Celtics and the Bulls Lakers, and the Lakers yeah. and. And the 76ers at one point, you know, they were a fantastic team in history. But but really, you haven't had a team that has been this unabashed about climbing into the sewer, as you put it, about getting real, real gross and <laughs> then climbing out with a bunch of lottery picks and, and you know, ostensibly this championship ring. No, this is a grand experiment. And it's something that, to me, is endlessly compelling, not only because Michael Carter-Williams, the day after he publishes this essay on Derek Jeter's personal magazine, 
they go and lose by 53. So, but look, <laughs> there is some unbelievably great entertainment here purely from the perverse kind of angle. Well, let's talk a little bit about how this team is constructed, too, because they, in the in the most recent draft, they drafted Joel Embiid as a, as a top pick, uh, even though, or perhaps because of the fact that he won't play this year because he's injured. Yeah, so Joel Embiid was, it, look, Joel Embiid is one of these, one of these, uh, you know, acid tests for what, whether this thing will make sense. And really, you can only evaluate that, I guess, next year is the argument the 76ers have. Judge us, you know, after the two worst years of maybe NBA team ever. Uh, Joel Embiid was and, and may still remain a phenomenal prospect as a big man out of Kansas was the guy not named Andrew Wiggins, the guy not named Jabari Parker, that uh-huh. third guy who ended right. up maybe flourishing into the most promising big man we've seen in a while. That said, they also had drafted the year before Nerlens Noel, who had held the title of most promising big man we've seen in a while, except he also was hurt. Um, so the, the 76ers have, look, the argument for them is, we have identified these prospects in the market that we can attain and we can take risks on because we have some time to kill, two years specifically. Um, and yeah, Joel Embiid, look, fantastic guy, great Twitter presence to the point where I wonder if his Twitter account is being ghostwritten for him. Yeah, which, it's suspiciously you know, good. It's, I had not seen Joel Embiid say a word in college. And then suddenly he's like, you know, Don Rickles on Twitter as athletes go, which is kind of nuts. Um, but anyway, yes, it's, it, it's Joel Embiid not making a lot of feel people feel great about this team in the present day. Not at all. Yeah. I, I'm looking at their roster here and <laughs> keep looking. Jason Richardson is listed on their yeah. roster and I'm pretty sure he died like three years ago. Jason Richardson only exists, I thought, in YouTube highlight reels of dunk contests from like like black and white reels at this point. I mean, this, this the 76ers roster is honestly the closest thing I've ever seen to a real life equivalent to like the uh, the automated generated players you would get in a video game right. once they ran out of the players that actually <laughs> exist, and you sort of keep going forward in time, and they just amalgamize like amalgamate uh, the names of people who already existed. Right. And like, this is kind of, yeah, this is, this is that kind of a, of a team roster webpage. Yeah, Jakar Sampson is, is like uh, Jabari Parker, Austin Carr and Ralph <laughs> Sampson. And we just, exactly. Just, there's an algorithm. There's an algorithm. There's really, an algorithm that really explains is. all of this. So um, is, is next yeah. year the year that they're supposed to then start being great? Is that the plan? Well, let me correct you, John, because the 76ers would never, never use the tank word in yeah. public ever. How dare you suggest that they are tanking? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's this verboten word. It's like those stores that sell say. tobacco water pipes. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely what it is. It's like, and, and there was actually a fascinating article that David Aldridge just did. And I'll get to the answer to your question by way of this sort of sure. reference. but. David Aldridge went and spent time with Scott O'Neill, who's the president of the 76ers, as he went and met with the people, uh, met with the fans. And a fan asked him this brilliant question, and he asks him, should we root for this team to win? And Scott O'Neill says, yes. And then the guy says, but isn't that contrary to the entire system, (laughs) this plan you have in place? And he's like, well, and Scott O'Neill goes, basically, well... It's going to be hard to win. And it's just kind of like, what, what, what is happening here? 
<laughs> so, like, right now, like, yes, we all should hope this team wins, but at the same time, we've made it so that this team will never win. So, yes, definitely do all of those things, oh. which makes no sense. But the, the answer to the question is, there theoretically is a, I mean, this is, again, because the team has not explicitly said this, we're sort of piecing together this uh, this plan. Two years of 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 being in you know the Gowanus Canal of of NBA sewers, <laughs> the super fun site, yeah. and then you get to being a playoff contender, and then you make it to a conference finals, and then you win a title. Like, yeah. look, we've never seen this before, uh, but. If the goal is to get as many draft picks as possible, the 76ers are doing that better than anyone we've ever seen. It it reminds me a little of, remember how the Clippers used to be where they would always draft some really promising player and then it was as if that person had just walked off the face of the earth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, the, the, the 76ers... I mean, the arena definitely has a negative zone-esque quality. Like, yeah. we don't know what goes in there. Weird things are happening. The rules don't really matter. Teams are losing by 53. They may never win. I mean, it's funny. There's a great stat um, that I saw today that the 76ers are not favored to win any game this season. Oh, like, <laughs> someone had a computer run through the projections, and there was not a single game that they were favored to win. Yeah. So from that perspective, I mean, geez, this team really, I mean, victory really will be historic for a variety of reasons. So it's really, for the general manager who's who's behind this thing, Sam Hinkie, it's, it's an act of, it's, it's a bold statement of confidence in himself because the, the lottery and the draft is no sure thing. I mean, team Kwame Brown went number one overall. Michael Olawakandi history is mm-hmm. littered with these things. And you could take the top five of any draft and find some stinkers in there that people just thought might be good. So he must think he's super great at drafting. Yeah, no, he's he's a poker player who's pushed all of his chips, you know, to the center of the table. And and look, there is empirically and this is where I get around to kind of leveling with you and saying, I kind of think Sam Hankey, number one, is a very smart guy, which I which is not a controversial opinion, but number two, I kind of love this experiment in yeah. all of its noble weirdness. Like Sam Hinkie, there's a phrase that we use in the NBA. Uh, we, as if I am sitting in the rooms with these guys. <laughs> you could probably play for the Sixers that, at this point. <laughs> there's a phrase that NBA obsessives use when we think about uh, the playoff picture and what any of this really means. And it's the treadmill of mediocrity. Uh-huh. And it's the idea that if you're like the, even let's say you're a playoff team and you're like the sixth seed or the eighth seed or the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, let alone in the Eastern Conference in a year in which the Eastern Conference is not the worst that it's ever been, which it currently is, uh-huh. by the way, um, with or without the 76ers. There's this phrase that reflects the idea that you're like in it. You're like a playoff team. Great. But you're not going anywhere. You're just running on this treadmill of mediocrity. There are eight, half the teams in the NBA make the playoffs. Sam Hinkie is saying to us, trust me, trust this plan that I am really coming as close to being honest with you as I can without actually saying that I'm losing games on purpose and and we'll be better off for it. It's absolutely a big bet. It's the hugest of bets. But you know what? He at least is doing it with reason and evidence in mind as opposed to kind of this whimsical sense of 
you know, let's wait for X draft class to come around because it's going to be really good. It's it's a little like the test pilots of the right stuff era. Like, I don't want to go <laughs> shooting into space, but for the good of society and science itself, I want to see what happens to someone who does. Yeah, that you imagine like, at some distant future, the Milwaukee Bucks, the next team to tank this badly, right. like saluting a statue of Sam Hankey in gold, <laughs> right. just like sitting with a in front of his laptop with like a single tear rolling down his cheek or something. Yeah. Yes, he is absolutely a trailblazer in this way. And yes, if this fails, you know, this will be the most catastrophic waste. I mean, look, people are still paying money to see this team. And this is where the tension, right, between what is sports anyway. Yeah. Like, are we here to win a championship or are we here to watch an entertainment product? Because the entertainment product right now, the the concept and the virtue in that is being tested as rigorously as we've ever had to test it before, right? Like, is this an all or nothing win a title or nothing proposition as we've sort of been trained? I mean, this is, I mean, look, in Sam Henke's defense, in the 76ers front office's defense, we are inundated all the time in sports with how championships are the only thing that matters. Now we're finding out whether we really believe that to be true once we watch this team play 82 times a year. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like you said, it, it's existential when the when the fans, whether or not the, the GM tells them this, the fans really are in a position where they should root for their own team to lose. Yes. And that's and, and the NBA is sensitive too. the NBA. And there has been, you know, by the way, like lottery reform pro- proposals that stem from the 76ers being the most glaring case. But yes. other teams have done this in the past, not two years in a row or not as flagrantly, but they've done they've tanked before. I mean, that's certainly a thing that's happened. And so the Adam Silver and the NBA, they proposed lottery reform. Let's make it so that the teams that are the worst don't have a as significant an advantage to get the best players out of college. Let's not reward teams that are actively trying to degrade the product slash lose. Um, that was rejected, notably. That did not pass the lottery reform thing. So, look, Sam Hinkie's playing within the rules. They're doing nothing illegal, but it's a matter of what's our actual preference as sports fans. And does that align with what winning is supposed to be all about. I was looking at uh, some Sixers blogs right after the lottery reform got voted down and they were all celebrating. <laughs> like that, yeah. That's what passes for a victory for 76ers fans. Absolutely. Because- and 76ers fans are probably the most tolerant demographic of this experiment of anybody in the country. Like I feel like the national and the outsider perspective can see what's happening and see how humiliating and embarrassing it is for a team to be this bad. But 76ers fans, whether it's because they have been drinking the Sam Hinkie Kool-Aid or because they have nothing else to cling to, as you just pointed out, with like, what do we root for? Well, we're in this so deep, we can't go back now. They kind of get it better than the other cities, I feel, the, the other NBA cities and fans do, which, you know, more power to them. Please. Well, Philly fans are, are known for being very calm, level-headed, <laughs> understanding, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Let's people. see how Joel Embiid feels about this once he gets batteries <laughs> thrown at him or his car's right, exactly. tires are knife. Just don't, don't dress as Santa and you'll be fine. Um <laughs> I, I have to admit, though, you know, I've been watching uh, a lot more games this season because I'm doing this podcast now. And if there's a 76ers game, I will tune into that before I'll tune into like a, a Hawks or Pacers or something, because as a piece of theater, 
it's fascinating. You, you've got Nerlens Noel, who has moments of goodness, and Tony Roten, mm-hmm. who has moments of goodness. And then everybody else really just might as well be trees. And it's fascinating. <laughs> Look, I am like, I'm a big fan of, of, of the theater of the absurd in general, but specifically in sports and specifically in the NBA. Yeah. The 76ers are unbelievably fun to watch just because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Like there's, it's like, may they win or may they be blown out by a million? Like either way, it's kind of interesting. And also like, look at the Lakers right now. I mean, to bring Kobe Bryant into this, Kobe Bryant is shooting that team into oblivion. Like he is in this hole and he has a machine gun and he's shooting (laughs) at the hole with the machine gun. And that's his solution to getting (laughs) the Lakers out of the cellar of the Western conference. That is amazing to watch. It is. Like, just watch everybody around Kobe Bryant. Just like, it's honestly, it's seeing humanity sort of have, it's seeing humanity, like an NBA player's humanity cornered with no place to go. And they just (laughs) have to become expressive and and kind of show how they really feel about this. You'll watch 76ers players just look miserable. You'll watch everybody who's a teammate of Kobe Bryant just be exasperated the press conferences are fascinating for that reason too it's like that's more fun than watching the normal like oh these teams maybe playoff teams and they're going to play a normal game i want to see something i've never seen before and that's kind of what we're getting it's really it's really what makes the nba great is the lack of helmets as opposed to the <laughs> yes, other sports because absolutely. we can see their faces in the in the blazers sixers game i was telling you about in these moments when the Sixers players would simply forget that they were supposed to play defense and LaMarcus Aldridge would just run down and just dunk the ball. He's smiling because he can't believe the, the, the rabbit hole, the wonderland that he's fallen into. And think about how, by the way, like let's pick anybody at Jason Richardson, right? Let's bring him back into the conversation. The late Jason Richardson. Uh, Pretend you're him. You also know, by the way, that you're not going to be around when this team is theoretically good. Right. Right. Like you're one of the you're the filler. You're like the <laughs> you're the cotton ball in the package surrounding like the gem that is ostensibly Joel Embiid. Yeah, Jakar well. Sampson is not getting a ring. <laughs> Jakar Sampson is not going to be around for year five of no. the of the half decade no. plan. No. And so yes, everybody. Like I'm just like I'm I'm just sitting in front of my computer right now, John, and I'm just looking at the, these faces, and I'm just like, <laughs> man, what a strange life you must be living right now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you, you, get to, you look at a 15-man roster, and you get to see pretty much 15 or 14 faces of despair looking out at you, and then Jason Richardson smiling because yes! he has to go nowhere near <laughs> it while still collecting a check. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And one of the guys, Robert Covington, who... As an NBA obsessive, I did not know was a person until I opened this webpage <laughs> just now. They didn't update the jersey for him. They didn't even it's Photoshop fantastic. the new one onto him like they do. No, they're like, Robert Covington's not going to be around. <laughs> Let's just leave it up there. No one's really going to care. It's great. <laughs> Robert, just wear your own clothes. You know, <laughs> We're, It's just going to work out easier that way. All yeah, right. Robert Covington, he's going to have like his laptop on the bench like right. sending job applications. <laughs> he's on monster.com. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, Pablo Torre, the the theater of the absurd that is the NBA. Uh, you know, there's been Brecht, there's been Beckett, and now there is Sam Hinkey. Pablo Torre, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jeff.
Ah, yes. Waiting for Godot, waiting for Joel Embiid. It all merges together. Thank you so much to Pablo Torre for that. Well, checking the Street Luge rankings, we see Mikel Echegare Diaz of Spain still at the top. Luis Mogrovejo of Peru right behind him. And then Fabian Gutierrez Roa of Mexico in third place. Where are the Americans? Well, Chris McBride is at seventh. Not bad, Chris. Benjamin Zayner is in ninth place. Way to crack the top 10. Uh, And you're probably wondering who's 33rd. Who's 33rd? It's Gabriel Mota of Italy. (laughs) Isn't that so classic Mota? Our producer is Nina Patak. We get help from engineering and all sorts of other people all around Minnesota Public Radio and American Public Media. You can find our podcast back, issues of our podcast, and many other podcasts at infiniteguest.org. You can find Open Mike Eagles podcast, Secret Skin. You can find Sherman Alexi and A Tiny Sense of Accomplishment, which is a a really great podcast that he co-hosts with Jess Walter. Uh, You can find me on Twitter. I'm at John Moe. And you can send me electric mail at uh, jmo at americanpublicmedia.org if you want to. Tell me about what you think about the show, what you want to put on the show. Also, hey, you know what? Could you go to iTunes uh, now that you have a moment and uh, rate the podcast with five stars? Really, with any stars you want. Really, it doesn't matter how many stars you give us. Five of them. And write a review. Just tell us whatever you think about the show. You love the show and you recommend it to other people. It doesn't matter. You know, just just speak your mind. Speak my mind. I'm John Moe. Bye now.